You're listening to the Darius Daniels Podcast. Well, what's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Darius Daniels Podcast, conversations on faith, life, and culture for your transformation. We hope this show provides you with edutainment education and entertainment at the same time. And I believe today's show is going to be just that. You know what we're talking about? We're going to help you stop overthinking. I've got an amazing interview with John Acuff, and he's going to give you some keys to take your life and your mind to the next level. Stay tuned. Buckle up. It's coming up next right here on the Darius Names Podcast. Well, what's up? What's up? What's up? What does ET say? What up? What up? What up? Mm-hmm. I thought you were about to it's do Martin. It's your boy. I thought it you was too. Do- what up? What up? What up? It's your boy, ET. Mm-hmm. That's not, how, y'all doing? Crazy. <laughs> how y'all doing today? Do you know My Martin's name is Darius Daniels. I'm acting like I'm oh. ET. What do you say? Okay. I thought you knew Martin's. Like, when he does, what's up? What's oh, up? Yeah, 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 yeah. Martin's one of my favorite shows. Man. Oh, really? You like Martin? Oh, 100%. Do you still watch it, like, right now? I haven't watched it recently, but I've got some episodes that I purchased years ago on iTunes. Yeah. I've Mm -hmm. got, I think I got almost all the seasons. Yeah. 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 Great show. I hate it. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I remember I was looking on Twitter. um, I'm always looking at stuff on social media, but I remember on Twitter, uh, there was a debate where people were uh, debating between which season was the best season. Mm. And I don't know because I'm, I mean, I watched it, but I didn't watch it like that to yeah. know. And people were going in. I mean, that, that I like some of the earlier seasons. Yeah, yeah. the earlier seasons are really good. Yeah, I, li- yeah. I like some of the earlier seasons. Pre marriage were like the best seasons. Uh, it was because I feel like the re- relationship dynamics. Yeah. The relationship <laughs> dynamics helped make the show too. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Gina was key and critical to that yeah, show. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's weird because. I don't know. It's almost kind of scary when you say pre-marriage, oh, you felt yeah, like the show's yeah. better. Yeah. You know, some people feel that, that way that. about relationships for real, though. But yeah, you know, I was going to say. <laughs> no, but no, I was gonna I'm, say, I'm like, serious. But I, I thought like that when, when I was, before I was even engaged. In t- but actually, before you even have titles, I feel like, before you say we're, you know, exclusively, you know, yeah. dating, I feel like everything is wonderful. Right? Really? Yeah, and then it's all of a sudden it's like, the boy's mine, the girl's mine. Oh, you know what? That, were, that reminds me. There was something I put up on my Insta story um, a couple of weeks ago. And it was a post from someone on Twitter. And she said, women birthing children, being the primary caregiver, working full time, doing housework and splitting the bills doesn't sound like equality to me. And so I put that up on my Insta story and I asked people, what are your thoughts on this? And I got like over 75 responses from men and women. So, Dakari, I'm going to ask you first. Why do you have that experience? Because you're really over there, like, shaking your head, like, oh, okay. Yo, I think we need to, I think we need to, I want to circle, I want to circle back to that, but I'm, I'm, I want to backtrack again. (laughs) Oh, wait, wait, Because I can't believe you just let Dakari say that. What did he say? And you didn't respond. He said, I must have missed it. He felt like that prior, like, pre, that relationships are better, pre-title and pre-marriage. Yeah, um, I don't know about the pre-marriage. Not the pre-marriage. Okay, but pre <laughs> pre-marriage is a title. But well, before before you say, because I think a lot of it is too is we're courting, we're dating, we're 
you know, we're locked in into, and some of it is like really, we have a mask <laughs> on anyway, right? When mm. a lot of times when we're doing this, so it's like mm. you're not really showing everything. But once you get that title, you showing your cards. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like you went from Clark Kent to Superman, real yeah. quick, you know? or you reverse, or reverse. Yeah. 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 yeah, Superman and Clark, Clark Kent. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't think I'm a. I think I agree to a certain extent. Wow. Um, because you put a title on there, man, things get a little. It gets a little rocky, a little bit, you know, depending yeah. on you know where you are. Yeah, the text your, messages, yeah, you know, they, increase or yeah. they decrease, or they decrease. Because I decrease. saw something where yeah. people like you get in a relationship, you know, a guy always sending a woman those good morning, good morning, babe, good morning, love, or whatever. You get in a relationship with them, they just stop automatically. Hey, I want to hear what our listeners think about this. You guys oh, yeah, need to email like, us or DM us no, something. They gotta, I'm gonna drop something. I'm gonna drop something somewhere. You gotta drop something on your page. We need yeah. y'all to comment. We yeah, because I, I actually thing. thought. So I'm not surprised that the, I wanted to car. I wanted to to push the car there because I'm not surprised to hear a man say that because I hear men say that all the time. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I'm not surprised to hear you said, Chester. I was surprised to hear you agree. agree. Yeah. Not not you specifically, but I'm just saying. I generally hear that from men. Yeah. It's like so. It's like a commitment phobia. Yeah. Not because they're afraid to commit. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way it's interpreted. That's exactly mm-hmm. how it's But it's yeah. not a commitment phobia because they're afraid to commit. Mm-hmm. It's a commitment phobia because of what often happens on the other side of that commitment. Yeah. It's like, yo, it's great on this side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like you commit and it's like, I, I, yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, it's like they pulled out the other part of the journal. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like free title. Or, or, yeah. not even, or not even that the expectation goes up. It's almost like they feel like the quality of the relationship or what they had goes down. Yeah, and I think mm. that's what, that's why I said I can agree like when the title comes in. Like, I so it may it, not yeah. be a commitment phobia for the men, but for us, we see, well, I'm just speaking for me as a woman. Um, sometimes you can see, you think the man has a commitment phobia. And it's like everything starts to change. It's like you you weren't doing that pre-title. Like you were this whole different person. So it's like going back to what he was saying, that mask was on. And so you were doing everything to get the woman. But now that you have the woman, it's like those okay. things. Let's, t- let, let's talk about that. <laughs> no, I, no, no. Because I could, I could, like, I could, I could rattle off a list. Now, this is not my experience, but. <laughs> no, it's not my experience. It's not my experience. But, uh. Um, I, I could rattle off a list of the things I've heard men say that change after. But I'd like to hear what are some of the things that change that yeah. men like stop doing yeah. they, after the commitment? They get very comfortable. So it's like the the effort that you were putting into dating the woman, the pursuit, all of that kind of changed because it's like we feel like, again, this is just me speaking. I don't know how other women feel, but um, I've experienced in relationships where a man is like, oh, OK, we have this title, whatever. And then everything he was doing prior to then. So maybe it was the amount of time he was calling, uh, the quality of time we were spending together, all of those things. It just kind of shifts. Wow. And that's why we feel like men have commitment issues, because it's like, how did you go from here to here? It's like what what changed? It was the title. Or or if it's a pre-title thing, like men are afraid to put a title on something because they think that things are gonna change. Does that make sense? Yeah. Dakari? Why are you smiling? Because I wish we could do this. I wish we wanted <laughs> like a 
faith based podcast. Conversation, but it is. But it is. But it is. But it is. But I get what you. I'm. I'm picking up what you put down because things change. A lot changes. I think it works on both sides. You know, like you said, you hear a lot from from a male, but I like what Chastity said. There are some things that. Like, I really wish you would name them. Like, I really wish you would I, call them. I mean, you said something, but it was kind of surface. You know? <laughs> well, what? what? I, mean, I, mean, faith, I felt like, I mean, you were clear to a, me. It's a faith-based podcast. Yeah. No, but I felt like you were clear to me. <laughs> yeah. Pursuit and calling and well, what, what, what are we quality time. though? What's, like, what's... What I thought are, about that, too. It's kind of, it's, it's... It's like, so if you're pursuing the woman, right? Yeah. So if you're doing these things to, like, get her... To name them. So, like, but that's like the dating. That's yeah. putting time in. That's the attention. That's doing all... Like, really, really putting that effort in. When you have... When you're in the relationship, it's like, all right, now there's another level to that. So yeah. it's like, I don't want to say the word maintaining because I don't like the really the way that sounds, but you have to, like... You have to keep it up. Like, you have to continue dating. Like, so we dating from, doesn't we, stop. We went from going to restaurants to now just Netflix. <laughs> like, I'm saying, exactly. like, I'm Netflix talking about exactly. You're going to tell me, you know. Never we, leaving so, the house. Never leaving the house. Yeah. Like, we like, got lazy. We stopped night, working out. Exactly. Okay. Y'all start working out, but I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay. I'm He's giving ex- yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he hasn't stopped. He's on the Peloton. Yeah, <laughs> but, and, and we know PD paying the rent every day. <laughs> <laughs> right, he even I'm, got people sending him I'm to my rent dude. Yeah. Rent dude. Rent dude. Uh, yeah, I paid the rent this morning. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> all right. But yeah, uh, it's just little stuff like that, and it's like, you know, they send flowers. Women may not get flowers anymore. You know, lunch dates. Oh, I gotta, I gotta do this. So like, okay. Oh my gosh, this is gonna be controversial. Yes. And and y'all, Dakar's <laughs> trying to Dakar's trying to talk me into doing this this men's show that I think would actually get me canceled. It's not but, gonna get you canceled. <laughs> but this this I know this might be more 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 pertinent for a show like that, but I'm this is just a question. So I don't want anybody to get offended. It's just a question. It is a, it's a sin, it's a sincere question. You don't gotta say that like four times for people nowadays. But we might on this one, so oh, I wanna God. reiterate this. It's just the question. And here's the question. Hmm. What happens that causes things to drop off? Mm-hmm. Yeah. From, from both the, men from, and women. I'm just saying, let's go, let's go with men right now, because that we're talking about. Yeah. So if 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 what you're saying, Chastity, is true, is there something else happening that's contributing to potentially the male dropping off? Potentially, I, I, I don't know, but I think I think sometimes the idea is it's just the man has me now, yes, and so he's just stopped. Mm-hmm. When I don't know if that's true or not, but I do feel like there can be other factors absolutely that demotivate him. I like think, so, yes, you're absolutely correct from a woman. <laughs> From yeah. a woman um, and a man, honestly. But I think for me, so I'm going to just keep it real. I hope I don't get canceled. Um, I feel like it's like, I'm, you know, Steve Harvey, get all the things out there. Like some women, they kind of stop doing certain things. And men, you have to keep them motivated. You have to keep them encouraged. Like somewhere I heard it. And I don't know if this is true or not. Y'all can answer this. But it's like men are hunters. Is that is that true? Like, Yeah, I've heard that. I just don't know if that's true in terms yeah. of like the the excitement for the man is the is the pursuit. I mean, there's so that once once he's captured, I don't I don't like yeah. the imagery, yeah. but once yeah. he's once he's got the relationship yeah. and got the girl, he's not as motivated anymore. There might be some truth to that. I just don't think if we're gonna be 
fair, which we try to be on this podcast. <laughs> I don't think that's the only reason no. some of those things drop off. No, no. there are things men. that happen. I think it's things from women that women do. Um, because just as well as a man can wear a mask, women wear masks too. Women get comfortable too. I don't, I'm not a one of those double standard type people. Like, I'm like, okay, the same thing that men probably do, women do it too. But you know what? And you're really good at this. We talk a lot about relationships just in general. Mm -hmm. But I think we don't have real conversations about what it means to be intimate. And I'm not talking about mm -hmm. in a physical space. I'm talking about what are our expectations yeah. if we connect, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what do we want? Our goals, yeah. our life plan together mm -hmm. once yeah. we connect. And so what happens is you have this image in your mind. I have this image, or not even image. I have these these expectations. Maybe mm -hmm. I want to use that word. I want to use expectations. You have to talk about those things, right? Hey, I think A B C D E F G, mm -hmm. or I like blah 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 blah. Yeah. Do you like blah 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 blah? Or blah, I blah. don't like blah 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 blah. blah, 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 blah. blah. Yeah. And yeah. I may ask, Are you willing to learn blah yeah. blah blah blah? <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, no, I'm just saying. Like, are these? You yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, no, I I get it. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it. I do think, though, some of these expectations are like, um, they're shaped by a number of different things. Like, mm -hmm. they might be shaped by who you're around and what mm -hmm. relationships you see. You, um, I think even some negative expectations. So, yeah. like, part of the commitment phobia we see with men is a result of how committed, and mar committed relationships and marriage is portrayed. Yep. Like, yeah. if you're going to watch a show, yeah. it's highly unlikely that in the show, a man's going to see a show that shows like marriage. Mm -hmm. It's highly unlikely that a man's going to see a relationship on that show that motivates him to want that. Right. I agree. It's just I portrayed agree. in man. a way where it's like, yeah. why would he want that? Yeah. He's, and it doesn't mean he's afraid of commitment. It's just mm -hmm. like, he sh like you might see a show and a man's like, he's being, um, and this is something that I often have to, I, I have to help people of different races with, like self-deprecating humans. Like, that might work in certain spaces, but it, it doesn't really help uh, men of color. Mm -hmm. And the reason is mm -hmm. they're already dealing with so much criticism and all those yeah. kinds of things. Like, they need to be affirmed and built up, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But when you, when you see some of this stuff on television, on the movies, it's like, man, he's being dogged. He's, you know, being sometimes disrespected. He's intimacy, let's keep it a buck. Intimacy is treated like a reward for good behavior. Right. It's like, so you've been a good boy, so you don't have to sleep on the couch tonight. Right. That's what's on, that's what's, being, <laughs> that's what's, that's what's being portrayed yeah. a lot of times in media. And I'm just saying, those kind of things, they don't motivate a guy and, to say, and sometimes, I want that. And sometimes the guy's just really too corny on television. I wouldn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> you know I was mean? like, I, yeah, I don't even yeah, see yeah, myself. Yeah, that's yeah, why I love yeah. Martin though. Even yeah. down to the careers, right? Mm -hmm. It's either they're really successful or they poor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. from, especially yeah. our shows, right? So it was like, I love Martin was a grinder. Yeah. <laughs> it was on the radio. Him and Stan was going at it. Yes. He was like, in a rain. Yeah. It yeah. made sense, right? You know, but Chastity, wow. you, your, your face was just, you know, you was just. Yeah, I feel like she's <laughs> outnumbered on this, outnumbered. And so we're probably going to get emails about that. Y'all yeah. double teamed her. No, I've, yeah. I'm just asking questions. Yeah, I'm asking questions because I feel like it's it's almost like one sided. Yeah. Now you know you mentioned this tweet about <laughs> the the. To me, that goes back to like gender roles. Mm -hmm. And have we had a conversation about this off camera before? I where I feel have. like we always have conversations. Yeah, off camera, where I so. feel like guys, 
It's easy for, I don't mean it's a negative way, but it's easy for us as guys to get confused. We get confused easy. And so sometimes y'all I feel like... you are the ones like, who are confusing us, no, I think we are. get confused. I okay. think men, yes, I think we're very confusing. Mm-hmm. But that's because we're confused. No, um, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, I feel like sometimes the card, there are, what do you think? There are mixed messages about gender roles. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's like, no... There are no gender roles. So, like, I'm a Christian, so I believe in some biblical roles. But, like, societal gender roles, I think those are negotiable. Mm. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. it's it's just cultural. So, you don't have an obligation to fit in a certain role. Like, I teach people at our church, who they like, who should cook? I'm like, whoever cooked the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's, there's nothing in the Bible that says, thou shalt cook. So, but I do feel like, <laughs> on one end, it's like, no, we reject all these societal gender roles. Like, we'll line what the Bible says, but we reject societal gender roles. But then, remember when we did the um, the um, relational intelligence, the dating edition? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, when I talked about, like, a woman expressing interest, then, it, then I got all of this stuff like, but no, let a man be a man. Right. I'm like, wait a minute. So, yeah. that's a gender role, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, either we have gender roles or we don't have gender roles. So, I feel yeah. like, I don't know, that tweet's a little confusing for me because it, it's... It is. What's confusing about it, again? No, break it down a little bit because you didn't say enough for me. What is confusing? <laughs> <laughs> what? What is the confusing? energy is the but energy like, is different in the room. Hold on, hold on, guys. Let me read this again, just in yeah. case, because we had a lot of conversation, and so I might need to just kind of, okay. you know, read this again. Got it, it said, "Women birthing children, mm-hmm. being the primary caregiver, mm-hmm. working full time, doing housework, and splitting the bills doesn't sound like equality to me." So, listen to me, though. And then I could say the father um, taking the kids to extracurricular activities, helping with, the, with some of the housework, doing things like outside chores, helping mm-hmm. with... So, so you may not be there the most face. of the time with the kids, but helping the kids. I'm just trying kids. to keep a straight face. No, it, I'm saying... It seems like you're I'm, struggling it, to get all of this out. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> at all. What I'm saying is... It's almost like the assumption is if a woman is doing that, the man has nothing to do with any of that. And my question is like, yo, who did you marry? Yeah. I was, no, I'm not. I don't mean to shoot like, you're doing all, all of that? Or, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm he's, he's you know what? no value. I also think it's a couple of things, a couple of factors here that are not included here. So we are like really just taking this thing at face value because we don't know what's going on. Households are different. And then also, that's also a scenario I don't want to say it's outdated because that's still some people's like scenario where women are like stay at home moms and the dad goes out and work and you know, whatever. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's different for each household. Like, yeah. especially no, here's what I'm saying. Dakar, if a woman is doing all of that, yeah. that she mentioned in that tweet mm-hmm. with no support from a spouse, it might be a single household. That's, <laughs> but she mentioned splitting the bills. Yeah. What I'm saying to me, I'll be like, yes, that's an issue. Yeah. yeah. Like beyond the bills. Like yeah. <laughs> even if you weren't splitting the bills, I would still be yeah, like, it's not equality. That's yeah, a, no, that's equality. an issue. Yeah. That's that's gonna bankrupt yeah. the relationship. Um if I'm I, I let me just just give my preference. If I'm if I'm married and I'm living with someone, I'm probably not doing all of that. We're splitting something. I would those hope bills, so. And I think bills, and I think the root of that. Wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Uh-uh. Go ahead. Please finish. <laughs> but the bills. I don't, I, don't, I don't really know. We're gonna have to talk about that. We're and that's what I was gonna say. I think at the heart of that, that was just a that was just to set up everything. Yeah, that was just, <laughs> just to yeah. say, I, I don't want to split bills. 
You can say, that's exactly that's explain what it is. That's that exactly what don't, She don't want to split the bills. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's the conversation that I'm willing to have. Okay. hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. I think we have to 100%. have a conversation about what that looks like. Hundred percent. Right? Because it looks like different for each household. Each household. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. And that's that'll be for. You Are know, you splitting bills when y'all get married? Am I splitting bills mm-hmm. when I get married? She don't. You know, she's probably gonna <laughs> listen to this and watch. Let Let me Let me say this. <clears throat> this is what I genuinely believe. And don't this, get this, in trouble. I'm not gonna get in trouble because this is my truth. Yo, this is really the whole podcast, y'all. We got this. No, this man. is interesting. No, no, what, <laughs> we need to do a whole yeah. show on this. We do. And, and, we will. And, and let me tell you something. My, my perspective may be jaded, right? Let me say it like this. I grew up watching my grandfather take care of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. That is my background. He mm-hmm. paid the bills. He worked. He did X, Y, and Z. So for me, it, I take on that responsibility to cover my house in that way. Yeah. If my wife, my soon-to-be wife, if she decides that she wants to assist in that, yeah. she can. But that is not a requirement, nor am I expecting that. I'd be like, hey, put money aside for vacation, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. That's how yeah. I, but yeah. outside of bill pen, like, But yeah, this that. is what I'm saying, though. Yeah. I'm saying if someone makes that like a requirement. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like, I'm saying... That's their right. I feel like you can decide, yo, I don't want to marry somebody who's not going to do that. I think that's fine. That's yeah. their right. I'm just saying that is a gender role, though. That is. That is assigning mm-hmm. a gender yeah. role. Mm-hmm. And if it works that way, it's got to work the other way, too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think you're going to get an email um, asking you about the Bible verse. About um, men being providers. Now that somebody is going to... Somebody, I feel in my spirit. What about the woman being a yeah, Um. So, yeah. here it is. <laughs> Now, when the Bible, now, uh oh, this is really going to be controversial. When the Bible says that, it's talking about a. Here's what Paul says: a man who does not provide because this this the bishop now. A man who does not provide for his household Household. is worse than an unbeliever. Yes. Mm -hmm. So yes, I think there's like an ethical expectation that a man is is um, going to be willing to make sure that his family is provided for. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, how that fleshes itself out, that that depends on the couple. Mm-hmm. So me, I'm kind of like, I come from Dakaris. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like what I saw. That's my background. And so for me, and I'm a hustler. So mm-hmm. it's like, we're going to get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. period. My family's going to be all right. And, you know, it is, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And if you want to work, work. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to work, you don't have to work. Mm-hmm. But that's my yes. philosophy. That's my perspective. And I'm going to go get it like that yep. so that you don't have to be in that yeah. situation. I just don't think you can say somebody's wrong right. if they don't have my approach on right. that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Someone might say, well, I'm not in that position to be able to. We got to split these bills. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> we got to yeah. split you know these bills. Or we, uh, to people overthinking. They overthinking everything. Overthink relationships. Yes. 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 Great segue, yes. Chastity yeah, Nicole. Because she showed up overthought that just to say right. she don't I think we over talked this session, but I think I think the I people enjoyed it. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. 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 But yo, I, I I really think you're right. Part of this, it is overthinking. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's something that a lot of people do. Uh, I just did this interview. You're about to hear it. I believe, straight up, this is one of the best podcast interviews I've ever done. Wow. Oh, wow. Period. Mm-hmm. You, what the value that's about to be added to people's life right here is like, it's indescribable. Mm. So I did, I did this, this interview with John Acuff. 
And we talked about this concept in his, this book that he released called Soundtracks mm-hmm. and it's Solutions to Overthinking. And they did some research. He talks about it in the interview where they interviewed thousands of people. And it's like almost everybody. It's like 90-something percent of the people they interviewed said they struggle with overthinking. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's not just like thinking too much. It's like um, thinking about the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And it becomes a soundtrack that you play over and over in your mind. And so he gives you some tips and tools on how to address it. It's going to be incredible. And uh, after you hear this, you're going to want to follow everything John's doing. <laughs> so I want you to stay tuned. My interview with John Acuff is coming up next right here on the Darius Daniels Podcast. John, my man, welcome to the Dares Daniels podcast. How are you doing today, brother? I'm good. Thanks for having me, dude. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. What, what part of the world are you in right now? I'm in Nashville. I'm in, that's been my answer for about 14 months straight, actually. <laughs> um, so I'm in, I'm in Nashville. It's real. I got it memorized. I got that answer memorized. <laughs> yeah. So has that been an adjustment for you? Because you traveled, uh, uh, you know, a bit at least, you know, yeah. speaking and with your books and how, how's that adjustment been? Not well, um, initially, um, you know, like it's, it's so I would say in March, March of 2020, I remember texting a friend. I was like, I think the first half of this year is going to be tough for some people. And not like first half, <laughs> as said, we'd be like, that's a wrap. It's July folks, wrap it up. And so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I saw, I'd say 70% of my job is public speaking. So that just got put on pause. Um, mm. so I, you know, I spent like two grumpy months being like, I can't believe it. Like, and then um, you know, I, I, I talk about this idea called soundtracks about the thoughts you play in your head. And so I came with up with a new soundtrack, which was, I can pine or I can plan. I can pine the old way and be mad. It's not there and be regretful and all that, or I can plan the current way. So I was like, okay, that's enough pining. I'm going to plan. I'm going to figure out virtual events. I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to work on video. Like I'm going to try to lean into some new stuff. I'm going to try some online challenges. So that's kind of where I, you know, I know we're tired of this word, but I just had to do what everybody did, which was pivot. Yeah. Well, listen, I think, I think, I think that's amazing. And I also think that that's a perfect segue to, to what I want to talk about today. You know, we were talking a little bit before we uh, started this recording and I was just telling you there, there's so, so much of your work that's impacted my life and so many different things I wanted to talk to you about. But when I was reading just the idea and the concept of this, um, this it's actually upcoming book, Soundtracks. Um, well, I think it'll actually be, it's, it's out, it's going to be out now by the time people hear this, but Soundtracks, the surprising solution to overthinking, I was like, pause. This right here is something I really want to lean in. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. Obviously, it, was this, a, was overthinking a, a personal struggle for you? Was it something you observed, some trend you observed in the life of people? What made you start exploring this idea of overthinking? Yeah. So when I, when I write a book or when I start a new speech, or when I launch anything, I always look for three things. And this is, I tell every leader, like, if you're going to create something new, these are three things that I think are helpful. One is a personal connection. Am I personally connected to the content? Um, with a book, at least, you're going to talk about this idea for years and years and years. Do you have a personal connection? The second thing is the people need it. 
Are there, are you seeing a need? Um, you know, the conversations you're having online, you know, in, in the trenches you're in with other people, do you see a need? And the third is, is there a hole in the marketplace? Is mm-hmm. it being underserved in a way that you could uniquely serve it? So with overthinking, um, it's definitely something I deal with. Um, it's something I learned a lot about, you know, in 2008, I, I had some, some lessons I learned that I, I practiced over the years again and again and again. Um, I, then asked 10,000 people. I've got a, a researcher named Mike Peasley, who's a PhD. And we, we asked 10,000 people if they struggle with overthinking and 99.5% of people said yes. So as a general <laughs> rule, if 99.5% wow. of people raise their hand about a topic, you should go explore that topic. And then the third thing, I went to the marketplace and there's some great books about overthinking, but a lot of them say, stop it, stop it, stop it. And my view was, why would I ever turn off this amazing thinking machine? I'm really good at thinking. What if I just fed it with things that were good? Mm. What if I fed it with thoughts that pushed me forward, not pulled me back? And so that was kind of, that's my Venn diagram of an idea. And if I can find three things that overlap and I can find that little small part in the middle, that's when I work on something. Oh, that, that's amazing. That's amazing. Listen, I'm, in, I'm incredibly surprised that 99.5% of the people you guys survey struggle with this. I think, I don't know, I, I felt like I was a bit of, of an anomaly. So that's very comforting to know that I'm struggling. See, that's, what, that's part of the lie of overthinking. Everybody thinks they're the only one. So yeah. I always say like, fear, uh, fear fears community. And so even just knowing I'm not the only one. So like, I'll do online challenges sometimes. And I'll say, as I'm teaching, I'll say, throw a yes in those comments if you've ever struggled with this. And I want them to do that so that other people that are taking the challenge can see a flood of yeses. Because right there, sometimes... That's one of the earliest gifts you give when you're trying to grow is, oh, I'm not the only one. There's other people, um, you know. So for me, that was really interesting. I think there's people that struggle with it more maybe than other people, but that was before 2020. Like I've said to you, like 2020 is catnip for overthinking. Like mm. we all had, like, think about it this way, Darius. So the other day, somebody went to shake my hand and right before they shook my hand, I thought, should I give him a fist bump? Should I give him the elbow? Like, is it rude to say no? What if I shake his hand, but then I stick my whole arm into a vat, like a gallon of hand sanitizer and say, excuse me, sir, why wash off the deadly global pandemic you just tried to murder me with? Like, and then I started looking around. Are other people shaking hands here? Is this a handshake in place? Is that a political statement? What does that mean? Yeah, Dude, two years ago, you know what I thought when somebody tried to shake my hand? I thought I'll shake their hand. Now everything's a thing. And so every little thing has room for overthinking. And so in my opinion, it's an epidemic right now, which was, you know, why I'm really excited about the timing of the book. Yeah, I I agree. 1000% spot on there. So here's, here's a question I have. I'm assuming that obviously there are some adverse implications of overthinking. It negatively impacts our life in some way. Now, for many of us, I think our initial observation is like, yo, this makes me feel bad. It affects Mm -hmm. my mood. It affects me emotionally. What are some of those, some of the negative implications of overthinking? How does it- Yeah, so I mean, right out of the gate, it steals time, creativity, and productivity. Like you give hours of your life that you don't have a lot to spare of to something- That's just spinning you, spinning you, spinning you. Like no one would say today, the most important thing I'm going to focus on is something dumb I said in a meeting three years ago, but then they'll spend 20 minutes going, Oh, I can't believe I said that. Why did I say that? Like that 20 minutes is gone. Like I meet people all the time that for instance, will go, Oh, you write books. I want to write a book too. And I'll go, that's great. And they go, yeah, I've been working on one for seven years. I know they're stuck. Like I know 
There's not a book that should take you seven years, 10 years. And so that's the first thing I'd say is it steals time. It steals creativity because you use the best parts of your imagination overthinking something. Um, and then it does leave you feeling drained and inadequate. That was something that came up in the research we did was people said they felt drained and inadequate. The kind of the shorthand is I always say, we didn't find a single research participant who said, my real problem is I overthink compliments. Like I'm always overthinking compliments mm. about myself. It's a real issue. Like I never met a mom who was like, I just keep thinking I'm such a great mom. That's my problem. Can you help me think less of myself? If anything, it was, they had a broken soundtrack that was on repeat. Um, and needed to kind of replace that. That's what the the three R's in the book that I kind of fi- talk through people um, with are retire a broken soundtrack. So identify mm-hmm. something that's broken, retire it. Number two, replace it with a new one and then repeat that new one so often that it becomes as automatic as the old one. So I like to take big, complex, like overthinking is a fuzzy kind of, it can get real holistic and candle Like I just like, go, no, 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 no. There's three things we're going to do. We're going to retire the broken ones. We're going to replace them with new ones. We're going to repeat those new ones so often they become automatic. That's what I try to help people with. Amazing. So you mentioned the word soundtracks. And I was yep. just, that's, you know, it, it, the essence, it's, it's kind of the essence of the book that you wrote, at least. And so talk to me a little bit about that concept. I mean, you just mentioned it briefly, but when you say soundtrack, like, what do you mean by that? So, I mean, that's my phrase for a repetitive thought. Mm -hmm. So some people say a repetitive thought is like a leaf going down in the river of your life. So some people say it's a cloud, the sky, it's a car on the highway. For me, a soundtrack is a repetitive thought that you hear. So I like that phrase because a soundtrack can change the entire scene. So imagine a movie, you see a movie and it's this beautiful suburban house and it's a sunny day and there's kids playing on the street and then they play an ominous soundtrack. Suddenly you go, don't go in that house. Mm -hmm. Like it's too quiet. It's a setup. Something's really wrong. They play a normal peaceful song. You go, Oh, it's a rom-com. Like that's what this movie is. This something silly is about to happen. The the music changes everything. And so my argument there is your personal soundtracks, those things you hear change everything. And the easiest way to see an example of one is think about something you want to do. And it can be, I want to ask for a raise. Mm -hmm. I want to start my own podcast. I want to write a book. I want to give a speech someday. Like I've been given announcements at church. I want to give an actual sermon. Think about something you desire to do and then listen. What's the first thing you hear inside? And the the phrase I use is every reaction is an education. Your Mm -hmm. reaction to things you want to do is an education. And a lot of times we're so busy, we're moving so much, or they're so far in the background because we're used to them. We don't hear them. But what if you said like the greatest power in my mind is that once you realize you can control your thoughts, it changes your actions, which changes your results. Like Mm -hmm. most people don't understand they have the permission and the ability to choose what they think, which sets up new actions, which leads to new results. This isn't a thinking book. Like if you walk away with it and you get a a new thought, that's fine. But that's not, that's not the goal. The goal is I want to help you write some new thoughts that create new actions that create new results. And once you plug into that, it, it gets really, really fun. Yeah. You know, I'm listening to you. And I can tell this is something that's that one that is just like a personal passion of yours. I can see you've internalized some of the concepts. So how did you get how did you get here? And this is what I mean by that. How did how did you get to the point where I guess through partnership and research and through your own personal journey, how do you get to the point where you could say like with confidence? Because me, I'm, I'm I'm listening to you, and I'm and I'm thinking about the person who would say, "Well, no, I can't control my thoughts. I wish I could control my thoughts, but I can't." Like, how did you get to the place where you believe that, man, my thoughts are actually controllable? 
Well, I mean, the big thing. So in 2008, um, I was in Atlanta. I was probably, I was probably 15 miles, from, maybe even 15 minutes from where you're sitting right now in Atlanta. And um, I have a blog that I'm starting to write and I'm at, I've hit a ceiling in my career. There's nowhere else to go. I'm at the top of a ladder as it were. I was a senior content designer for a company and there was no super duper senior content designer position above that. <laughs> I was in my early thirties and I was stuck. And an event planner from Oklahoma, from Edmond, Oklahoma said, Hey, you want to come speak at our event? And I didn't even know that was a thing people got paid for. I didn't know that was a career. I didn't know yeah. anything. All I had was one thought. I think I can do this. I had one tiny little baby of a soundtrack. I think I can do this. And that was the start of me going, the thoughts you choose to listen to and then feed with action turn into results. I had no evidence that I could do it. I had no proof. No one else thought that. And I just had this one thought and I said, okay, I'm going to add some overwhelming action to this. And I'm going to see what happens. And that thought started to change my life. It moved me to Nashville. It helped me at the New York Times bestsellers list. Um, it carried me through so many ups and downs as I continued to go, I think I can do this. I think I can do this. And not only do I think I can do it, I'm going to add a bunch of actions that eventually make that thought true. And then, the re then I get to see the results. And there were definitely ups and downs. And there's, I don't believe you know, people arrive. But for me, that's when I first was like, wait a second, I'm going to try on this new thought and see what happens and be faithful to it. And I write thoughts down. I mean, like soundtracks, I tell people gather soundtracks everywhere. Like mm. for me, I just wrote this one down today. I'm pulling it off the, the, the window <laughs> that I sit by. It says discipline is a gift you give yourself today for tomorrow. Because I got this broken soundtrack. It's like, oh, discipline is negative. It's yeah, sacrifice. Yeah. It's, and I'm like, no, man, it's a gift. It's a gift you give yourself today for tomorrow. So I don't, I don't believe that yet. Like I'm a big believer in uh, what, what the Ziegler family, Zig Ziegler says, like telling the truth in advance. Mm -hmm. I know this is true. But I've listened to a negative soundtrack, a broken soundtrack of dis avoid discipline. Discipline is restrictive. You're too creative. It'll, it'll hem you in. <laughs> but now I'm in my mid forties. I'm like, man, the times I'm disciplined, like things go better. Life goes better. Like yeah. I might not get that initial, like immediate gratification, mm -hmm. but the long term is so much better. So I say, okay, I want to lock that in with a thought and I'm going to put some actions around that. So the thought, the soundtrack I'm going to start with is discipline is a gift you give yourself today for tomorrow. Okay. I can. I can jam on that. And so now I'm going to grow that. So that's where for me, just paying attention. Um, and, and I'll give people three questions, three simple questions they can ask if you want, if you're curious. Mm -hmm. So don't interview every thought you have. We have too many thoughts. Who has time for that? That's exhausting. Sure. Interview the loudest soundtracks. So if you thought about, okay, what's the boom box that's the loudest? Interview the loudest ones and ask it three questions. Is it true? Mm -hmm. Is this thing I'm believing about myself, about my world, about another person, about my job, whatever? Is it true? Number two, is it helpful? Does mm -hmm. it move me forward or pull me back? And number three, is it kind? Is it kind to me about this? If I said this to a friend, would they still want to be a friend? And so if you'll mm -hmm. ask those three questions, most people will find out, wow, I've been listening to some things that aren't true, that aren't helpful, and yeah. definitely aren't kind. What am I going to do about that? And that's where you get to fight, figure out, I get to create new ones and I yeah. get to write new ones and I get to believe new ones. And this whole world opens up. Yeah, John, that's amazing. I want to ask in your own personal experience, I mean, I think some of our thought patterns are habitual, right? And then there's, there's some evidence that there's some of the evidence that like our thought patterns actually affect the brain and wiring and all, all these kinds of things. So could you tell us, let us inside your journey a little bit, how was it difficult to actually do, and this may be, might not be the right word, but some of the reprogramming 
Uh, it, it was slash is. Um, you know, I, Dr. Caroline Leaf writes about this a lot. She's a brilliant, brilliant scientist. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the good news for us is that we live in an age where we understand neuroplasticity, that your brain can physically change based on, on thoughts you have, based yes. on work you do. So like previous generations didn't know that. Um, we have neurogenesis, that you have new brain cells in the morning every day that are waiting to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can physically change how your brain functions. Um, and yeah, it, it is challenging. But the thing I always tell people is, like, give yourself grace for the change to take a little bit. I had somebody the other day um, and they said, John, I'm... I'm believing soundtracks. I'm working on those. Um, but like the problem, she said, the problem I have is like, um, I don't, it takes me a while. She's like, my head believes it, but my heart doesn't. What do I do with that? And I thought, isn't that true? Like we've all been there, right? We've all said, okay, you know, I believe this thing in my head, but what do I do? She said, do you have a soundtrack for that? And I said, I do. The soundtrack I want you to write down is the head runs, the heart walks. Mm. The head runs, the heart walks. Don't get frustrated when your heart takes longer to learn something that your head got to first. Mm. And so that's what I would say. If somebody said to me, John, it's not working. I'd say, well, how long? Because what happens with goals is I'll meet people to say, John, this diet's not working. This exercise program's not working. I go, how long have you been doing it? And they'll say 10 days. I'll say, well, how long did it take you to gain the weight? I'll say 10 years. <laughs> so you gave yourself 10 years to gain it and you're only giving yourself 10 days to lose it. That's so, that's so unkind to yourself. Yeah. So what if we gave, you know, what if we expanded the time frame? What if we, so yeah, these things do take time, but there's going to be other things where just changing the perspective. I mean, how many times Darius, have you thought you knew a situation? You're like, I know what's going on here. I know what's going on. And then somebody gives you a detail. Somebody tells you a true soundtrack and it shifts your whole perspective sure. and you go, Oh, I didn't. So sometimes there's a single thought that unlocks an entire situation. Other times it's kind of like every time you've touched a broken soundtrack, you've put a handle on it. Every time you think about it, you put a handle on it. So mm-hmm. it's really easy to pick that thing up. And so it might take a little while to break some of those handles off so that you don't pick up that thought. So that that's why it's easy for a negative soundtrack to play automatically in a situation. Say you got, let's say 10 years ago, somebody took advantage of you in a business situation. Mm-hmm. Somebody stole some money. They ripped you off. They did something. And you started to believe there, I got to be on my guard. I got to be really careful. Like people, like everybody's trying to do this. Over time, you might've played that soundtrack a thousand times. So you get into a business conversation, even with people you love, people you trust, people you've done business with before. And in the background, that soundtrack fires up and goes, remember Darius, people are out to get you. You got to be careful. And it ruins that conversation. And it's easy to pick it up because you spent 10 years listening to it. So in those moments, I say, give yourself some time. Uh, man, that's so that's so important because I think I think we could be uh, someone like me. I'm wired in a way where I could be overthinking um, how well I'm doing in trying to arrest overthinking. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, well, but here's the thing: like, so even my most Type A friends who pick out their clothes the night before they go to the gym to make sure they do it, very few of them pick out their soundtracks. So very few of my friends will go, I got a big business meeting coming up Thursday. Here's the three soundtracks I want playing so that I'm confident and mm-hmm. generous in that meeting. Cause I know, I know my broken ones, they're going to like, you don't have to find negativity. Negativity finds you. You have to search for positivity. The way I say it is fear comes free. Faith takes work. Mm-hmm. Like those negative things are getting, like, you'll never have a problem with that. No one ever goes, I think, uh, yeah, this week I want to think about, you know, why I'm so mad somebody didn't respond to me on text. Like that negativity will just come up. The yeah. positive side of it takes some work, takes some hustle, takes some, you know, intentionality. Now that, that's incredible. You know, um, you mentioned just, just a second ago that 
we know what's broken. Yeah. Like uh, what soundtracks are broken, excuse me. For the person that's listening to saying, John, I don't know what soundtracks are broken. How do I find out if my soundtrack is a broken soundtrack? Well, I mean, I think one way is, um, is in the comfort of community. And I'm not saying you need 50 friends. I'm not saying you need 10 friends. But often, Darius, we're so close to the painting, we can't tell what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Like we're so close that we can't see it. And we need somebody 10 feet back that can go, hey, I think, you know, you need to be smart about this. And so I think that's one of the, the big things is, do you have a friend that you could say to, hey, there's this thing I want to do. I feel a little stuck. What am I missing? What, mm. what, what don't I see? And, and it doesn't have to be this like long, like heartfelt, everybody's crying conversation. Even just asking a friend that question and going, hey, I feel like I keep running into this one wall. And I, I don't know how to figure it out. Like, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? And then having the humility to, to let them say something true, not being defensive in that moment. Because yeah. when you are defensive to people you've asked for advice for, they stop giving you advice. So yeah. I think a lot of it, like, I personally believe 100% self-awareness is impossible. I think we're built for community mm-hmm. and we need other people to carry some of our self-awareness so that they can reflect it back to us. 100%. You know, I think there's this quote I read one time. It says that the nature of deception is to be deceived. <laughs> you know, like the, we're the best at lying to ourselves. <laughs> we're, we're the most like, that's why whenever you say to somebody, why did you do that? They go, I thought it would be a good idea. Like, even as you, like, nobody yes. goes, I thought it would wreck my life. I was just trying <laughs> to wreck my whole life. Like they go, no, nah, I thought it would work out. Like we can talk ourselves. The greatest salesmen in the world are, are ourselves. And so yeah. having somebody else that you can say, Hey, here's this thing I'm thinking about doing. Here's this, you know, what do you think about that? And like, cause it's usually the thoughts that are getting in the way. Like, let's go back to like a, a health goal. Mm-hmm. You know, where the gym is. Like, you know how to physically drive there. Like treadmills, yeah. dude, haven't changed for like 50 years. Like yeah. no one can be like, I would use a treadmill, but they just, they keep changing the directions and the angles. Like who can keep up? Like, you know how to do it. It's just, you have all these thoughts that get in the way of actually doing it. So yeah. that's where I'm like, well, let's fix the thought. Cause that's going to free up some actions. It's going to free up some results. Oh man. 1000%. And, and I think you're spot on there. You know, you mentioned something earlier. This is going to sound so random. I want to circle back to it though. And uh, you mentioned the Ziegler family. I think you mentioned Zig Ziegler. Now, John, yeah. I don't know if I told you this earlier. Now I'm born and raised in Mississippi and yep. my wife, uh, my wife is also born and raised from Mississippi. And we were almost like equal distance from Yazoo city, which is where Zig Ziegler was uh, raised. Um, you interviewed his son, I think, um, yep, Tom. Yeah, uh, for this book, could you talk a little bit about like some of the the lessons you learned, the value that um, that family added to you into this? Yeah, so I got to have lunch with Zig and his wife Jean and his son Tom uh, maybe ten or twelve years ago before he passed away. And the reason I added Zig to this book, and I I didn't want to talk about positive thinking because mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of a jaded sarcastic person that grew up with like <laughs> serenity now and like, you know, Saturday live, like I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. Doggone it. People like me, yeah. but I kept bumping into leaders that I really respected that I really admired. And if you'd get them off camera, if you'd get them off the mic yeah. and say, Hey, do you, what do you think about positive thinking? They'd go, well, I got a pep talk. I give myself or, well, I've got a couple declarations or, well, and I was like, Oh, dang it. I'm going to have to explore positive thinking. <laughs> and so that's what I did. And I kept seeing Zig's name pop up. Um, 
So I tried Zig's daily affirmations. Zig had this famous set of daily affirmations. You read them in the morning, you read them at night in front of a mirror. And I was like, this is crazy. My wife was like, don't do it in our bathroom. Do it in a guest bathroom because I don't want to be in here when you're doing it. Like, because I, I need to be able to make out with you and I don't want to. I was like, that's fine. So I tried it and it was helpful. Like it really encouraged me. It was really helpful. So I'm a writer. Um, so I wanted to create my own. Like, that's my thing. Most advice is a la carte. I think yes. you need to take the pieces that work for you and remix it and play it. Like, you're the best DJ. You're mm -hmm. the best DJ of your soundtracks. I'm not the best DJ of your soundtracks. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to remix it. I'm going to create my own. So I created my own set of uh, what I called the new anthem. And then I called Tom and had an amazing conversation. I think it's probably one of the best chapters in the book was just listening to him. Because I kind of tried to play Stump the Ziggler. I'd be okay. like, yeah, but what about? Yeah. yeah, but what about? And he, I mean, he's been doing this for 50 years. And so like one of my favorite things was I was like, is it, do you guys believe in fake it till you make it? And he's like, nope. And that surprised me. I was like, what wow. do you mean? He's like, we don't because that causes cognitive dissonance in your brain where your brain goes, this isn't true. Mm -hmm. So his example was, he said, say you're really out of shape and you say to yourself, I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm in amazing shape. Your brain goes, no, you're not, you liar. <laughs> and it all falls apart. What they say to say, which one of Tom Ziegler's friends talked about is I'm getting fitter and fitter every day in every way. Cause that's mm -hmm. a progress statement yeah. and that changes your ability. That's positive without being fake. The other thing was that I would say, well, are you just saying like ignore negative things? He's like, no, it's positive to address a negative thing, admit it so that you can actually start to work on it. Don't obsess about the problem, but you have to admit the problem so that you can then work for a solution. The most, the favorite thing I love that was so practical. I was like, well, what about, you know, when something bad happens and he goes, okay, let's take travel. My dad traveled a lot. And you, if you travel more than twice, you're going to be delayed. You're going to be a canceled flight. He goes, mm -hmm. my dad never got mad about that because he always carried his most important work with him. So every delayed flight was an invitation to do his most important work. So wow. like just that picture of Zig being in like the Kansas city airport, cause they're going to delay you in that terrible airport. <laughs> like Zig, like knocking it out by a vending machine. Cause that's all they have in that terrible airport. Like that's amazing to me. And that was such a practical thing. So I just, yeah, the conversation was really fun. And Tom was so generous to contribute to the book. Another question about that. So you kind of mentioned uh, community relationships kind of being an avenue that helps increase your self-awareness yep. as you are, you know, engaging in this interview, engaging in conversations. Are there things that you're learning and seeing about you? And uh, would you be willing to share a couple of those things with us? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, you know, I write trench books. Like I don't, I wish these are books where I'm 80 and I'm like on a rocking chair <laughs> whittling. I haven't made a mistake in like 40 years. Like that's not, that's not, the, that's not the case. And so, I, you know, with like conversation with, whether it's a conversation with Tom or whether it's a conversation with a friend, um, I keep learning. I, I mean, speaking of community, I have a friend named Ben. We, we go on a walk once, once a week. Like we go on like a 90 minute walk in the woods near our house um, and just do life together. And so like, I've learned that if, if I'll share honestly with him, he gets mm -hmm. to speak honestly to me. So an example would be maybe about six weeks ago, uh, I said, Hey, he said, how are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm actually kind of sad. Cause I thought about this opportunity I missed. Like there was this big opportunity and I missed it. And I feel sad like that. I did. I feel afraid that there might not be any more. I mm. feel like I feel dumb. Like I've missed my chance and everybody else would have seen the chance. And so I kind of expressed it. And he said, well, tell me this. If you had said yes to that opportunity, what would you have more of that you don't have now? And I was like, oh, that's a good question. But then he said, if you had said yes to that opportunity, would you have gone deeper into your heart or deeper into your ego? 
And I didn't have to spend 10 seconds thinking about that. And he said, because, and I said, my ego. And he said, well, that makes me sad because I don't think you would have valued this relationship and these walks and I would have missed this. And like that, I don't get that gift unless I say, I'm sad, I'm afraid, I feel worried. Like, so that to me is what I'm learning. And I I wish I'd learned it earlier on in life because I didn't even know like, until like two years ago, I didn't even know that we got to say, I feel sad. Like that, that feels like a foreign language to me. But the mm-hmm. more I get comfortable um, kind of being who I'm called to be, the, the bigger gifts I get from my community, if I'll be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John, this has been absolutely amazing. You've dropped, this is a contemporary uh, colloquialism, you've dropped gems. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> that means it's it's value. It's I was I was, <laughs> I, was I was doing an interview <laughs> a few days ago, and I was talking to someone. This is an older lady, and she lives out in Hidden Night, North Carolina, which is Hidden Night. Yes, that's the name of the. It's it's that's hidden a place. Too. It's a place, and it's hidden. <laughs> it's about yeah. an hour and a half south of Charlotte, and so uh, I was explaining to her this idea of gems, but it's just so much value, so much value. So I, I know that those of us who are listening are wondering, okay, not just where can I explore this idea of overthinking more? Where can I connect with John? What else does he have going on that can add value to my life? Because there are people listening who are saying, I need more of this. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. That's that's super kind. Um, I mean, I have a podcast. So if you're like, hey, I'd love to hear some more. Like I have a podcast called All It Takes is a Goal, um, where it's a weekly podcast. Uh, I'm a big believer um, in goals. I'm a goal nerd. I say a goal is a, the fastest path between where you are today and where you want to be tomorrow. And I think finishing a goal feels amazing. So mm-hmm. I love to help people finish goals. Um, there's a reason the restaurant has the dollar bill framed behind the the counter. It's not because mm-hmm. it's a lot of money. It's because they did it. Like that, that dollar bill is, is something that matters. So I like to say the future belongs to finishers. And so if I can help people finish goals, awesome. Wow. Um, and then if you want to check out the book, soundtracksbook.com, you can go read the first chapter. You can just grab a, a free copy of the first chapter. Obviously, you know, buy it in bulk on Amazon, like yeah. babies need <laughs> shoes. Uh, let's not, let's not play around, but yeah. And then I'm on Twitter on Am- uh, Twitter and Instagram, John Acuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm in all the places I should yeah. say. And then then I, you know, I get to do a lot of stuff with orange. Um, so mm-hmm. we, you and I have that in common and, yeah. and that's something that's been a, an amazing part of my life for the last seven years. So hopefully I'll see a lot of folks, um, on orange tour and orange events as we open those up in the future. Yeah. Looking forward to that. I think it was the first time I heard you speak. I mean, I've heard of you and read some of your books. That was the first time I heard you speak live. And I'm going to tell you something, which is, I think this is like really rare, like to be able to write well and to speak well. In my experience, that's a bit of an anomaly, Um, at least in my experience. And people do it with like equal effectiveness. Um, And so that's something I feel like you do really well. And I want to encourage people to not just get the books, but to definitely um, attend events and also jump on that podcast. John, well, thanks, Darius. I appreciate that. This was fun. This one went fast. Yeah. The, the good ones go fast. <laughs> but it was great, man. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for adding value to our tribe. Thanks, man. Well, what did I tell you about that interview with John Acuff? Nothing but gems. And hopefully you got some keys, man, that are going to help you uh, with overthinking. I know I 
did. And I'm really excited about this section. It's the Dares, the Ask Dr. Dares section of the Dares Daniels podcast. And man, we're going to answer some questions that have come in from you. We want this to be an interactive show. So send us your questions to podcast at DariusDaniels.com. We're going to get to many of them as we can. Listen, really soon, we're going to be bringing some of you in via Zoom to answer your questions in person. It's going to be a great, great experience. We got some great questions today. We're going to start with Chastity mm-hmm. with question number one. All right. This question is from Lakaya or Lakia. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, but it says, I am looking for counseling or therapist um, and I really don't know where to begin. Um, do you have some recommend- recommendations uh, for her? And then she wants to know if she should base it on like her age, her culture, her accomplishments. Like how does yeah, she look for it? It's a great question. So, I mean, I don't know how to answer a question for her, but this is what I think through when I am trying to find a, a therapist. So, mm-hmm. One is, it's always good if you if um, you can get some recommendations. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. And I want to say this: it's not a judgment, but it is. It's a reality. All therapists aren't created equal, yeah. right? It doesn't mean that they're inherently or intrinsically more va- one's more valuable than another. It just means skill sets are different, relevance is different, and a therapist's own emotional health is different. Mm-hmm. Too. Yes. So it's kind of weird, like in the therapy therapeutic. And the spiritual industry, like you can go to seminaries and train, you can get training on like concepts and all of that, mm-hmm. but there's very little in place to actually assess your own spiritual well-being. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, even though there are like some recertifications therapists have to do or whatever, I say that because like we've had some, my family has some terrible experiences with some therapists that were, I was like, you need to be back in therapy, you yeah. know? Um, so recommendations help. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's important. So recommendations, and then the next thing is, I think is really important, experimentation. Because l- s- some discernment comes from you trying stuff out and seeing, is this a fit? Yeah. Do they actually add value to my life? Can they speak to where I am? Mm-hmm. Um, do they have experience with people like me? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so some of that you aren't able to determine until you kind of have sessions with them. And so I want to give people permission to disengage. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah, John Maxwell says, if the horse is dead, dismount. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like, and sometimes it takes a minute to find the right one. And I feel like, I feel like that's, that's okay. And um, yeah, that would kind of be, you know, for me, that would be what I would recommend for people. That's what I think through. For me, a person being a Christian is important Mm -hmm. or, they need to have um, an understanding of my Christian worldview, mm-hmm. even if they aren't. Does that, does that make nah, sense? I get it. Because if not, yeah. we're going to be talking about certain things and you're going to be asking me to do something mm-hmm. that's against my value system. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I feel like the Christian value system isn't just right. It's better. It's better for me. Right. Yeah. That's good. So I, I need people, somebody who respects that, who's not like calling that into question. Well, why, you, why do you feel like you have to forgive? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, yeah, this right. is not going to work. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to argue that yeah. with you. Yeah. So I, that's, that's kind of where I am. All right, Dakari. Cool. Well, Brandon has a, a more lighter question. Uh, Brandon asks, he says, can you think of a movie title currently that best describes your life right now? American <laughs> Gangster. That's an old one. The one with Denzel? I love it. American, American Gang- Gangster? Yes. Best not because I'm a gangster. Not because I'm selling drugs. I'm because not- you know, on what episode you told us you had Thug Life tattered. Duh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. Are you uh, Denzel-ing right now? Which one are you? No, yeah, I don't know. I'm denzel oh, I'm denzel No, I'm <laughs> No, not denzel like engaging in illegal activity, but in the sense that 
I want to make a major impact, but stay under the radar to some degree. Yeah. Like, I don't want to live an ostentatious life. Um, I, I um, you know, it's my commitment. People will, people, you won't know who I know. You won't know who I'm helping. Because yeah. I'm never going to post it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never going to brag about it. And no shade on people who do that. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to see, like, me and, unless they post it, you're not going to see, like, me and celebrity pics on my yeah. feed and all of that kind of stuff. So for me, it's like, I want to make a major impact, but um, I want to live under the radar. I got it. So I, I don't know. So that's where I am. Don't wear the chinchilla. Right. $50,000 Yeah. So American Gangster. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I have a question. This Mm -hmm. is the last one. Uh, This is from Kyle. Kyle says, my wife and I recently had our first child. Uh, Congratulations. And our lives have changed, but I'm struggling to keep the fire and desire, if you know what I mean, and encourage her to be open to date nights. Any advice for married couples continuing to continue the spice with a child. This is Kyle. Kyle. That was it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Kyle kind of confirmed some of the stuff we were talking about in the early part of this podcast. <laughs> I'm glad you Kyle, I don't know if this is helping. <laughs> I don't know if this is helping, Kyle. The fact that we are all on the same page with it, <laughs> but we didn't say it. It's interesting. All right. So I think this, this is potentially a little different, though. Mm-hmm. So I do think men have to give women a little grace here because there are things that happen psychologically sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes phys- like physically, but also psychologically, that happen that, that shift when a woman gives birth to a Absolutely. child. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, I've never been through that. And it's one of those things that I believe you shouldn't judge if you haven't gone yeah. through it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I've said this about relationships. Relationships take more than love. Love is not enough. Rarely do people stand at the altar and say those vows and they don't mean it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But half of it, half of the relationships don't work out. So mm-hmm. love's just, it's, it's not enough. Grace and mercy. That's it. Is also important. And I think, um, I don't feel like um, there's like a, a, a one fit all solution for um, something like this. But I do know like empathy and understanding and trying to kind of getting into her world is going to be really important. How are you feeling? How do you feel about you? Mm-hmm. Um, do you even feel? So if he's talking about intimacy, like, do you feel like you've lost that part of you? Mm-hmm. Um, have you changed in a way where the things I used to do to meet your needs emotionally no longer meet your needs? Yeah. So now it's like if you got, let's say if her, her, if her dominant love language was like words of affirmation and quality time, quality time. You give birth to a baby, that changed your whole life. Mm-hmm. A love language now might shift to acts of service. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like you help me take care of the kid or you. So I feel like kind of getting into her world to figure out what's going on emotionally with you is going to be important because if not, like I'll have you, I'll write a prescription for something mm-hmm. um, and I don't know the diagnosis. So that's why I don't want to give this blanket answer because you got to figure out what's going on. You got to get in her world and figure out what's going on with her. Mm-hmm. And then you can come up with a strategy to kind of do that. Because I feel like, especially if you're talking about intimacy, what you, what you don't want in a marriage, like with intimacy, you don't want compliance. Right. You don't want, let me just do this because, yep. you know, I, I know you need me to do this for you. Know? Yeah. yeah I, I don't think that's what men want. You know, you want to be, men want to be wanted also. Absolutely. In that way. And so I think 
he's kind of got to get into her world and got to be a little patient because she might be in the process where she can't even label right now Yeah, what's actually going on with her. You know, sometimes you feel stuff and you don't quite know what's going on with yourself and you can't articulate that um, to someone else. So to me, that's where I'm going to tell them to start because I feel like meeting your wife's needs emotionally in that way, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, that should kind of be your first priority mm-hmm. over and above just getting stuff back to where, it like spicy, yeah. where right. you want it to be. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of my... Wow, that was a great was answer. Good. My Man, two we cent. got so much content with this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's my yeah. two cent there. But yeah. yo, those are great questions. And keep sending these questions in. Remember, podcast at DariusDaniels.com. And some of you, some of you are about to really soon start receiving responses from us because we want to set some of you up. Come live right here via Zoom and ask your question. I think it's going to be great and we're really excited about what's happening with this podcast. Hey, your support means the world to me. Um, We want to engage in conversations uh, in faith, life, and culture for your transformation. We want this to be a show of edutainment and we want to help as many people as possible. So, man, download episodes, like it, share it, spread the word. And uh, we're going to see you next time right here on the Dare's Dance Podcast. You're listening to the Darius Daniels Podcast.